Dose to Leadership Podcast, episode 103. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast. I really appreciate your support out there. I'm hearing from more and more of you out there. And I want to share a couple comments from reviews from iTunes. This is from JJ Nays Baby, whoever that is. These are some amazing stories of some inspirational people. I love this channel because it's done through conversation. These interviews have helped me. And I'm really excited to share this channel with many of my friends. Thanks, JJ. I really appreciate that. I got some gifts to give away. Mark Miller, who I interviewed a week or so ago, he gave me a handful of books. The Heart of Leadership, his brand new book, Becoming a Leader People Want to Follow. I've got some free copies to give away. And so if you want to uh, get a copy, go ahead and send me a subscribe to iTunes. Put a review. Hopefully it's five stars. Send a review out there. And then send me an email, richard at doseofleadership.com. And uh, we'll see if I can get you a free copy. So again, uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, then send me a quick email, tell me you did that, and then we'll see if I can get you a free book, Mark Miller's The Heart of Leadership. Anyway, thanks for all your support, and here's the interview. Well, I'm so excited to have on my show today Lucas Boyce. He's the Director of Business Development and Legislative Affairs for the Orlando Magic. He uh, took this role back in July 2013. His responsibilities include strategic business planning with a focus on developing a new sports entertainment district in downtown Orlando. He oversees the company's efforts in statewide legislative and government affairs. Prior to this role, he served as Director of Community Relations, Multicultural Insights, Cause Marketing, and Governor Affairs. Lucas joined the Orlando Magic back in July 2008. Prior to the Magic, he served at the White House in the Office of Political Affairs, where he monitored political activity, tracked key races across the plain southwest region of the United States, he also coordinated proactive communication, public relations, and education outreach across diverse communities, constituencies, and issues on behalf of the president. During his tenure at the White House, he also served in the Office of Public Liaison. In this role, he directed African-American and professional sports outreach, in addition to event-related work in the fields of health care and economic policy. He's the author of a great book called Living Proof, From Foster Care to the White House, and the NBA, which came out in January 2011. It's a great book, a great journey, leadership journey, personal journey. And Lucas, I'm so thrilled to have you on the Dose of Leadership podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it's been I've been looking forward to this interview after reading your book. It was so much fun um, and so such a moving story. And so share with our listeners, I think, you know, where you, you came from and your background – is so compelling. Uh, let everybody know who you are and how you got to this point. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, um, I guess the, the, the real quick version um, is, you know, I was born uh, premature, you know, weighing about four pounds, um, born about six weeks premature to a, a 19-year-old drug and, and addicted uh, teenager. Uh, you know, my, my birth mother was a person who, you know, had really everything going for um, and decided to kind of veer off and make some different choices that kind of got her into some trouble. And and over the course of time, in order to kind of feed her addiction and her drug habit, she sold her body. 
you know, and, and I'm I'm the result of that. Uh, I have no clue who my dad is. He was just kind of a random, I guess, John, if you will, that gave my mother um, money for drugs. Um, and so life, as it began, was very, very difficult, you know, very precarious, very dangerous. Um, but I'm really thankful uh, for the grace that covered me um, through all of that. You know, my mom um, discovered she was pregnant um, after still kind of really doing the drugs and the alcohol. So that was probably what kind of precipitated me being born premature. And born with drugs in my system, um, they looked far and wide for family in Michigan and, and, and elsewhere that could take care of me, um, and no one stepped up to the plate. And so, um, but I was very, very fortunate. Uh, to have a, a God who was watching over all of this and had prepared a, a suitable surrogate um, who is my mother today. Uh, her name is Dorothy, and, and over the course of about, gosh, uh, maybe 15 years, she had over 40 foster care children. Wow. Uh, she adopted six of us. She had four of her own. Um, and through a series of, of providence and wonderful circumstances, um, after being in the hospital for about 10 days, I uh, was sent to her home um, on May 29th, uh, 1979. And uh, I have been with her, and she has been my mother ever since. You know, And, and I'm really thankful for the courage that both my, my birth mother exhibited you know, in, in releasing me to somebody who, who she believed could take care of me and give me a real shot at life. And really, the, on, on the flip side of that, my adoptive mom, the courage that she had to, you know, take in one more child and to follow the, the voice in her heart and, and the calling of God to her to give a home to, to at-risk and, and to at-risk and needy children. Um, you know, so that was kind of how I started out. And, and it was a bumpy ride. And, and, Struggled through school uh, because of the drugs that were in my system and things like that, and and flunked kindergarten, and thankfully again had a mom, have a birth mom, have a, have an adoptive mom, excuse me, Dorothy, who just instilled in me uh, the seeds of empowerment, and she told me and taught all of us children, it didn't matter whether we were black or white, whether we had disabilities or not, um, whether we came to her when we were little kids or whether we came to her when we were seventeen. You know, because she had a whole range of different types of children. We had a very, very diverse family, right? So she shared with us um, that we were built for something more, um, and that it didn't matter where we came from or what our circumstances of our birth were, that each of us were created to do big things and to achieve incredible, incredible successes if we would do a few key things. You know, and she shared with us all at a very young age that if we were willing to believe that we can do anything we put our minds to, and to follow that up, coupled that with this other uh, key that she gave us, her most important key was that if we were, we would understand and believe and know who we were and who we represented. Um, so for us, that meant that we grew up with honor, faith, and decency, and that we had to act with honor and integrity at all times and in all places. And I will be the first one to admit um, that I haven't always followed mom's two keys of success, and, and I want to make that clear. I, I, I don't want you and your listeners to think that Lucas has it all together and <laughs> everything was preordained because we all make life choices and we all go up and we all go down. Um, but the one thing that's been constant I know in my life is, is really the grace of God. Um, and even when I've been a complete knucklehead, he's been there. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for his, for his covering me 
um, in my mother's womb, and still today when I make all kinds of different choices, she still covers me. Um, and so mom taught us these key principles, these two keys growing up um, in it. And, and we were children, and, and you know, I'm, I'm black, and, and my, my adopted mother is white. And um, there's a saying that you know that um, there's a saying. I want to I read it for you. And it's interesting that mom was there when I needed it most, right? And there's a saying that says, family is not about blood. It's about who is willing to hold your hand when you need it most. And mom was there, and she's always been there. She's there to this day. Um, and, you know, fast-forwarding along kind of in my story uh, for you, you know, I'm, I'm, gosh, 18, 19 years of age, getting ready to um, finish high school. And, and mom pulls me aside, and she shares... She kind of she kind of asked me this question. She says, "Lucas, what's next? What do you want to do? How are you going to get there?" Um, and you talk about leadership, and, and and really leadership first and foremost is about choosing. There's choices. Um, I, uh, you know, I believe that all of us have the ability to be leaders and to do big things, um, but we have to make choices that will propel us there. And so I told my mom, you know, uh, I had these. Big dreams. There's four big dreams. Uh, first, I wanted to kind of I wanted to be a missionary. I grew up in a very religious household, and, and Mom shared her faith with us, and we grew up um, with that real firm anchor in our lives. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to share my testimony, um, and you know, I loved leadership. I loved the White House and politics, and I grew up in the '90s when Bill Clinton was president. And, um, Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls ran the earth, right? Right. So. Um, I, I told my mom, Mom, I want to do, I want to, I want to be a missionary. I want to work at the White House. I remember being 16 years of age and going to the Capitol on a church youth trip. And I can remember going to um, the White House, um, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And it was at nighttime. Our whole group went. And we're getting off the bus and walking to the north side of the White House. In uh, 18 and a half acres, as you know, um, looking through the wrought iron gate. And, and saying, one day I want to be on the inside. Now, I was 16 years of age when I said that. Mm. Um, and I told my mom, I want to work at the White House. I want to be on the inside. And there's this movie that came out in 1997 called Air Force One. Right. Uh, I can remember that. I can remember the, the night that that movie came out and wanting so badly <laughs> to be on that plane. And I guess looking back on that, the odds of, of that happening, you know, Rich, um, gosh, there's 300 million Americans right now. Probably at that time, 286 million Americans. So, of all the 286 million Americans at that time, um, you know, any given presidency, whether Democrat or Republican, there's two million jobs in the government. Most of those are are military, um, and so the president gets like some 3,000 appointments um, all over Washington and throughout the government. Um, and of the 3,000 appointments, maybe 500, 600, maybe, or so, work at the White House. Um, and then of the 500 that work at the White House, maybe on a regular basis, there's 25 to 30 that fly with him on Air Force One you know, in that way. Um, but thankfully, I wasn't thinking about the odds as yeah, a right. 19-year-old. I, I was thinking about the possibilities. You know, and Mom told me your two keys to success again. You can do anything you put your mind to. Uh, you got to understand, you know, I like to call it the three P's. Um, 
the three P's are, number one, everything takes a, is a process, that there is a systematic way that things take place, and they happen over time. Uh, number two, that um, the second P is, is pain. You know, inevitably, as we all set out goals in life, we will have to go through pain in order to get there. So you take the, the very simple example of, of working out. You know, everyone wants to be fit and healthy. Well, there's a process to, to making that happen. And there will be undoubtedly required a certain bit of pain um, in getting there. And then the, the third P that mom shared with us and, and that I've always kind of taken to heart um, as, as I've kind of grown in, in leadership and grown through my experiences is patience. Um, I was not one to be very patient as a young child. Um, and, and probably still something that I, I have to focus on um, dealing with today. But those three Ps, you know, the process, understanding that it will be painful and that we all will have ups and downs, but then ultimately understanding that patience um, will actually yield a fourth P, um, and that's the promise, right? And so that's kind of how I framed my, my thinking in my life, that I know that, Things won't always happen exactly as I plan them to be. There is a process that will take pain. I'll have to be patient. But if I will do those three things, the promise, the, the outgrowth of that, the result of that, will be better than all my planning. And, and I believe that for, for you and for your listeners as well. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, you know, over the course of probably 10 years, you know, just to kind of fast forward for you, um, by the grace we've gotten a lot of mentors and a lot of hard work, I was able to go on mission uh, to Mexico and to Nigeria and to Kenya and share my faith. Uh, but also, I was able to, uh, you know, work for the President of the United States, George W. Bush, uh, at the White House six months after 9-11. I um, was able to work on his re-election campaign and, and work through a series of different jobs um, at the White House after his re-election. And, and ultimately... Um, uh, be able to fly with him uh, on Air Force One, you know, and you know, I'm calling, you're calling me today and we're having this interview, you know, and I'm the director of business development. You know, I told my mom I wanted to work for the Chicago Bulls and, and I didn't make it to the Chicago <laughs> Bulls, but just as I told you before, you know, the process, the patience, the pain, it's the promise, and it isn't always exactly as we plan it to be, but I came to the Orlando Magic in, in 2008, 2009, it was the, the season that we went to the finals. Um, and uh, we work, and I work for an amazing team that believes in giving back to the community, um, allows me to serve on like seven different boards um, throughout really the country and throughout the state of Florida here. Um, it's been an amazing experience. It wasn't exactly as I planned it all to be in my head, but it has been uh, better than all my planning. Well, gosh, you know, there's so many things you said there, and I thank you for summarizing the amazing a backstory, the amazing results of, you know, there's so many things that, that to soak in. And the, and the first thing I want to do is go back. There, there's a four things I want to hit. And the first one is obviously your mother. You know, one of the questions I obviously, or I ask a lot on this show is, can you name somebody who's had a tremendous impact in your life? I think without question, almost everybody goes back to a parent, a relative, a coach, or a teacher. 
obviously your yeah. mother has made a huge impact on your life. And I, and I think it's important to understand that your mother is a leader's leader. And um, maybe she doesn't see herself as one, but there's so many characteristics of leadership that I want people to understand. And what's so great about your mother is even how she described herself as she was growing up. And I don't even know if she's she's come out of that shell or not, but she described she herself. <laughs> yeah, she ex- described herself as exceedingly shy horribly awfully and completely shy so much so that when she realized when she was taking college that she realized she had to take a a speech class that she said i'm not even going to be a teacher if i'm going to go through speech class you know that's how frightened she was of how she felt this but here she is completely incredibly shy but an amazing courage yes on the other on the flip side of it. it's, it's right. pretty interesting to, to watch you well know? and, and i i get i'm really fortunate to be able to, to travel and, and to share my story with lots of different people and, and i share with them you know uh, showing pictures of powerpoint with my mom and, and our family and things like that and she could probably never be in one of the speeches because she would be mortified right. to see her her face up on this powerpoint or these pictures and things like that and um was really shy even about me releasing the book um you know just because she just is she's just she doesn't see that she's done anything extraordinary right um which is the beauty she of sees this is just something that she was called to do right this is on her heart to do from a little girl to give children a home regardless of who they were and where they came from and to just love them yes um, and that's her biggest strength really is well and that's why i call her a leader's leader because she has tapped in to what you said in the words of the calling she knew early on what her purpose was and what she was put on this planet to do which is essential i think for leaders and for all of us out there to make sure that we know and i've said it on this podcast time and time again if you tap into your bigger why then the how almost falls into place and it's a lot what you just said about your journey is the same thing you had in your mother a leader, you know, infusing you, ingraining in you a lot of common sense, time-tested principles um, against all odds. And if you look statistically, I mean, you had nothing going for you to make it in life, you know, barely even to live from a physical standpoint, from an economic, socio, socioeconomic standpoint, everything was stacked against you. Um, but it just shows you the power of leadership and what I mean by that at the heart of leadership is authentic love and courage and your mom just exhibits that uh, and I just think it's fascinating it's a proof positive yeah. of the power of authentic courageous leadership and that we all are capable of being leaders and not leadership isn't necessarily standing up in front of a room of 300 to 1,000 people and giving a speech that's not leadership what your mom did and what she you know, ingrained in you and giving you the chance. That is true leadership. And so I, I just, I, I got to give the due respect that your mother so wholeheartedly deserves, which she would probably say she doesn't because she, you know, like you said, she doesn't think she's doing anything special, right. but That's wow, right. you know. And you touched upon something there as well, you know, because um, a lot of your listeners, a lot of different people, they, they see leadership and they they all have goals and they, we all have, we all define success in different ways, right? So, right. um, I defined it for me as a young boy doing these different things. But, uh, you know, I have a sister who uh, just had her second baby, um, and and she was adopted as well. She's the youngest of the family. And she, she that for her, and starting a family and teaching these children um, the values and giving them a chance to develop in healthy ways is success for her. You know, and so I always 
because I share this and I share this with students. Like, oh gosh, I can never do what you did. I was like, well, this isn't about me. This is about you defining success for yourself. And then another thing that you you touched on there is, you know, I, I, we grew up very poor, right? I mean, mom at one point was a single mom with eleven to thirteen kids. Wow. So that's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, with and she's the only breadwinner. Um, and so, yes, the odds were stacked against us. And I think the the lesson is, and and it probably is the larger uh, arc of 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 history that that follows through with the American dream here, is that it doesn't matter in this country. I think more than most, um, where you start out in life, that if you're willing to stand up and be a leader, if you're willing to do a few key things. Um, there is a a an energy. There's a, a propulsion that can move you towards your goals. Um, and I'm very thankful that you know, even though we didn't have any money, um, and mom sewed all of our clothes, right, growing up, and all these different things that she told us, and and and, and literally breathed empowerment and seeds of empowerment into us, telling us what we could accomplish if we would do a few key things. Right. Regardless of where we started, um, regardless of where we even were at that moment with her, um, that if we know where, who we are, uh, where we're going is already taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, the focus on the bigger why, like you said. And I also love how you talked about those three Ps and that led to the fourth one, the process, the pain, and the patience. You're absolutely right. And I think especially when it comes to the concept of leadership, understanding that, you know, leadership develops day by day by day, not in a day. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. overnight. It is a process. It's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey. And I think you've realized early on and and that each of the circumstances that uh, ex- and experiences that you've uh, gone through leads to and builds upon a next, you're standing on the shoulders of somebody else and, or some other process or some other opportunity, and it just builds and it builds and it builds. And, and when people understand that the journey is so much more important sometimes than the ultimate maybe dream or goal, that's where the richness comes in. It seems to me that, you, that you've, you've said that in so many uncertain words that what you've started to realize is that, yeah, you've had the dream of being on the inside of the, the White House and this and that, but it's the journey that's uh, given you the full richness and the full appreciation um, yeah, to your blessings. Absolutely. And even just in the years since I've, I've kind of served at the White House, it's, I have a real appreciation for the process that it took to get there and for the other things that I'm doing. You know, I'm a, I'm a single guy. I'm, I'm, I'm looking towards marriage. And, you know, I'm trying, I just finished my MBA. And so there's all these other new goals that always pop up. And the really cool um, aha moment for me was to really understand what mom was trying to tell us through these three Ps that lead to that fourth P. And literally, Richard, in the last maybe 30 days, this this awareness of this is a journey, and so you should just embrace it. Right. You should embrace the process and understand that it's going to take time and enjoy that and just relax, you know. And so, and so 
you know, I'm thinking about, gosh, am I going to marry my girlfriend? Am I going to do this? I'm like, and, and now I'm just like, I'm at peace because I'm just relaxing. You know, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs in every relationship, right? There's going to be, it's, it's a process, but yep. there's got to be patience. And all of those things will yield a promise that will be better than any initial plan that we could ever design in our minds if we're willing to just let things happen. You know, I love that you said that. I mean, I, I had that same revelation really the last, probably last two or three years for me kind of coming to grips with that. And even more so as I've done this podcast nine months, ten months into it now and talking and, and kind of honing in on this theme. And you're right. I think for so long, like many of us that we're all guilty of, we chase this plateau thinking things are going to be so great when I reach that plateau. But it's right, not about right. that, right? It's not about that. Just around the bend, it'll be just, it'll be great. It'll mm -hmm. be great, right? If I can get this promotion or if I can get that MBA or if I can get that other degree, you know, if I can get married or, you know, if I can just get that job or get accepted into that school or whatnot, you know, we're all, if we just do that, if we just do that, and the real life will really start to, to be an enjoyable experience when we just let go and embrace the process of life. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And, and you're absolutely right. And I think that's important from a leadership standpoint um, to understand that because I think that that kind of mindset leads to, for me, a confident leadership presence. Because once you feel like you can do that, then you're you're the calming uh, presence in a stormy, chaotic sea. And yeah. and too often, what you're talking about, I think too often, I see people get wrapped around the axle trying to control the chaos. The reality is, you can only control so much if you can at all. And to your point. If you just understand that, look, there is chaos there. You just need to be worried about putting out the the fire closest to your boot. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and most and most often than not, the biggest fire is you yourself. If we can all be yeah, comfortable absolutely. in our own skin, yep. um, I think there's a saying that says, "If you um, can't control yourself, you'll be controlled by yourself." Right. Um, but if you can govern yourself, if you can get just real centered in that peace with yourself. Um, comfortable, secure with yourself. There's no need to be insecure or to be afraid of what other people are doing in the workplace or, or whatnot. Um, you, we, I believe you can't lead others until you can lead yourself. And when you can lead yourself, whether that's through discipline um, or, or through a rhythm of, you know, structured peace <laughs> that you control yourself, um, that's when the the real opportunity for leading others will really take place. Because if you can't lead yourself, other people will see through that. You may think that you're trying to hide and, and that you're putting a book aside, but people see through that. You know, and that's where the authenticity comes into play. Um, you got to be real. You right. got to be open. Right. Um, you know, mom always told us, remember who you are and who you represent. Right. So for us, that meant you got to be real. You got to be open. You got to be honest. You've got to have a life that is um, centered around integrity. And so um, those are all these little tools, little, little ingredients that help us to become um, not leaders, because there's tons of leaders that are bad. There's tons of people sitting in lots of high-back chairs that make decisions that impact people in negative ways. But the, the leader that will have sustainable success over the long term are those leaders who can lead themselves, who are vulnerable and open, 
um, and they and they lead with integrity. Um, those are the the types of leaders. That it's not so much about the capability and and the the knowing all the the numbers and stuff. It's really it's about the center first. The yeah. other stuff just is is icing on the cake. Yeah, I love that you said that. Talent does not equal success. I mean, so many times we think that we tell ourselves that. Oh, look how successful they are. Must be talented, but really. Um, if that were the case, then all um, talented people would be successful, and conversely, sure. all, all successful people. Absolutely. Would be- I mean, I you know I work for I see this almost all the time. I work for an NBA team, and so he's all types of people, all types of players. You know, and everyone has a role to play on the team. Um, and even going back to our our coaches and our general managers, you know, we've had this is our 25th year we're, we're celebrating our 25th year anniversary as a team relatively young NBA team um, but you can look back over the arc of time arc of history and see those leaders um, that have an impact on the players like the coaches that have an impact on the players that will reverberate for the rest of their lives right you know and we have some we have had some really wicked smart coaches um, but they haven't been able to lead because they can't lead themselves. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'll give you one one such example. Our, our current coach, Coach Jacques Vaughn. So we won, I think, gosh, 20 games last year, uh, league worst. So it was a very difficult time. But again, you know, you got to embrace the pain in the process to get to where you want to go. And what invariably everyone said about our coach was he was consistent. Um, we could have gone on a nine-game losing streak, um, or had just won in overtime against the, you know, Miami Heat. Um, and he was the same person. Um, and as a leader, and as a person that looks to the leader, you know, you can take a lot of stock in that. Um, and our leaders, I think, again, another little tool, another little nugget. Those who, will, those leaders who will be sustainable and long-term um, successful will be those who are consistent, no matter if it's a storm or if there's sunshine outside. Um, and there's all kinds of different leaders, right? And, and we see it on the floor as well. You know, we see that the leader that is allowed and, and likes to make jokes and, and keep, the, keep the team at ease when they're in pressure situations. you got the floor general who's willing to get people in shape in the locker room. You know, the veteran who is pulling the side of a young rookie and giving them the ropes. There's all types of different ways to lead and help people. Um, I think what is it is what we need to all understand, you and, and, and me and, and your listeners, is that leadership will take different forms. Mm-hmm. Again, if we'll let the process um, unfold, we'll find out what type of leadership um, scenario or situation we blossom in, and then that's what we play to our strength. Well said. I mean, I, I mean, everything you said was just spot on, and uh, so much that we talk about here at the podcast—the consistency, the being calm, the confidence, the courage—all those things, yeah, wrapped up in your life. And you've, you've witnessed them firsthand, and that's why it's so exciting to have you on this show. I, th- I wonder, you know, especially behind the scenes, I've asked, you know, your friend Eric Draper and, and Dana Prino. I've had them on the show, both of who obviously worked in the White House and and saw the president up close. What were some of the I mean, what was it like? What was the leadership style? What did you see behind the scenes that none of us maybe didn't see? You know, what I saw most in, in George W. Bush is what you saw was what you got. Um, and, and he was very much this authentic leader. Um, 
you know, people always ask me, gosh, what was he like? And, you know, with what you always saw on TV. And I always share this, this story with people. You know, it was the first time I ever met him was as a young intern. I'm 22 years of age. I got randomly picked for this photo opportunity on the South Lawn. Um, photo opportunity that Eric Draper actually was um, the one that took the photos for. Right. But to get called over, and, and I'm sitting there with these young kids. They're like 18 and 12, and, and I have no clue why I'm there. And the president walks out, and he kind of just walks up to me. He's like, hey, I'm George. Right? Just very easygoing. And I, I joke with people that I was less nervous meeting um, this this very famous, you know, at the time he was the most powerful person on on in the free world there. Um, I was I was less nervous meeting him and talking with him for a period of 15 minutes on the South Lawn than I was, you know, trying to talk to some girls, uh, you know, at a downtown pub on a Friday night. <laughs> right. uh, and that had nothing to do with me. <laughs> that had everything really to do with um, the type of a person he was. He really put you at ease, um, and he was very comfortable in his skin, uh, which made you relax and, and be very comfortable um, as well. And so we go to this photo opportunity, and, and we're taking photos, and he's giving us advice and kind of joking with us. And, and um, the, the official photo op kind of with everybody ends, and I kind of start to walk away, and he kind of he calls me back over. He's like, hey, let's get a personal photo. So I call Eric over, Eric Draper. I'm excited, and, and I'm a small-town guy from Independence, Missouri, and, and would probably never do this today if I met anybody of significance. I pull him in for the hug. You know, the brother hug and shake his hand, taking this photo. And, um, I shake his hand again. It's right after 9-11. And I say, sir, I'm praying for you. The cause is just. And kind of takes a step back. He's like, well, thank you. It is. You know? And, and I think that's it. I go home. You know, I call my mom. I'm super pumped. excited. Um, and then the next day, my boss comes back from a meeting with him in the Oval Office. And he kind of scratches his head and looks at me. And is like, hey, you know, you made a real impression on, on the president yesterday. And I got scared, honestly. Uh, I was like, oh, crap. I know I shouldn't pull him for the hug. I started trying to apologize. Like, don't worry about that. You know, um, he's like, I, I, he's like, he calls me over, he asks me about you, and he's like, well, what can we do for him? Let's bring him on board. You know, after my, my boss kind of shares with him this story of me, you know, growing up in foster care adoption and then being a White House intern. And so, you know, I showed that with a lot of young kids because that was my very first lesson in leadership. Uh, and it's not an original uh, quote, but it's, uh, you know, the true character of a person by how they treat the person that can do nothing for them. Um, and I could do nothing for the president. I wasn't his chief of staff, wasn't anybody important, but he took the time to pull me aside, take a personal photo, had the presence of mind the next day to remember this random kid that he met on the South Lawn. Um, and this is six months after an hour, and he clearly has a lot on his plate. Um, he follows up, asks about this kid, and then goes one step further and says, hey, let's get him a job. Let's bring him on board. Um, and that really had a tremendous impact on me. And from that day to this, it doesn't matter whether it's um, a president or a governor or are you rich or um, the person who takes my order at McDonald's or Starbucks, I have resolved in my heart and my mind to treat everybody like a VIP uh, because of what the President of the United States did for me uh, on some random spring day in 2002. And it literally because he did that, it set my career on fire. I went home, um, 
you know, finished school early and went back to his, his campaign and, you know, the rest I shared with you already. Um, but that, I don't know that that happens without that moment. And, and that moment was less about me and more about him. He asked about what type of person he is. It's like, well, that's the purest uh, response I can give um, because he literally just plucked me out of obscurity and he didn't have to. He could have just taken the photos and, and moved on with the rest of his day. It was a 15 minute window in his schedule, you know, but he didn't. He, he thought about it and he remembered um, and he did, and he went, and he went one step further and, and he said, hey, let's get him a job, you know, and when you talk about what's necessary for leadership, um, authenticity, um, character, um, that's what I looked to um, as one of my first examples of, of authenticity and character in leadership um, and the result of it. And it's something that I've tried to, um, tried to do ever since. I love that story, and I'm glad you share that with us. And, you know, even in your book, as you said, as you summarize that story and, and you just hit on it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. You can start to see how everything is tied together, interrelated together. You're standing on your mother's shoulders for that moment. You're ready. You're authentic. You've got the character already inside of you. Conversely, he does on the other end. He had to be re- – I mean, he he had to have the presence of mind, like you said. Uh, he was authentic. Um and, and his character shined and, and shown through that moment. I love how you said it. You sum it up. You know, be ready, be authentic, and have character. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And and that that defines your life, Lucas. And I think it's such an amazing story. Um, you're one of many. There's millions of stories out there like that. You know, we're fortunate to have you on the show. You're fortunate to kind of have the, have the high visibility. Um, gosh, there's so many things I could wish you know I could talk to you about. For the sake of the time, I want to respect your time in the show. We're already 35, 36 minutes into this interview. Where can sure. people find you? The book is just fantastic. I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, there's so many things wrapped up in there. It's a great tribute to your mother. It's a great tribute to this country, how exceptional it is. It's a great tribute to Lou, Luke, you, Lucas, and you understanding it's a great testament to God. There's so many things wrapped up in this story, and I'm so... Uh, thrilled that I came in contact with you and thanks to Eric Draper who who gave me your name so anyway thank you so much uh, where can people find you yeah so um, they can they can reach me at lucasdanielboyce.com www.lucasdanielboyce.com and if they want to pick up the book um, they can always go to amazon.com as well and, and just search for my name Lucas Boyce or, or type in living proof um, and it'll It'll pop up there, and look forward to kind of connecting with people. You know, I'm on Twitter at Lucas Boyce, and and on Instagram and all those things, and really try and um, share my story with as many people as as will listen. Um, I'm really fortunate to be able to, to travel across the country, um, and, and looking forward to meeting your listeners as as I travel. Well, it's a thrill to have you on the show. I'll have links to all this on the post. And again, uh, I'll have you back again. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. I'd love to explore the, you know, we didn't even talk so much about adoption. I'm adopted too. Um, I think that would be a great, uh, compelling story to talk about that. There's so many other things we can talk about, Lucas. Would you be willing to come back at a, at a later date? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. All right, Lucas, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. 
Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.